So if you want to know what this is called, it's called The Forgotten, The Uninvited, The Tolerated, and The Afterthought. Or we could just simplify it and call it The Errand Boy. I don't know if you've, many of you will have read the story of David, uh, but I want to talk about David, who was an errand boy, basically, carrying cheese and bread. And how God does things, how I really believe God does things in the kingdom, because I, I don't think it's as we think it is sometimes. I think there's an awful lot that God does that is hidden. No one sees it, no one knows about it, no one knows it's happening, or very few people, those who are discerning know it, they see it. And um, eventually it grows up into a mighty majestic tree of life. That's what happens with God. It's just beautiful. So, I'm going to talk about the story of David and his brothers. And it does seem, if we go to 1 Samuel, I think Josh is uh, going to put these up here. Or sugar cane, one or the other. Sugar cane legs. Have you got your shorts on today, Phil? Got your shorts on. <laughs> I call him Sugarcane because he ran around in Africa with white legs and all the Africans thought it was very funny <laughs> watching him dance with his little white legs. <laughs> so um, anyway, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and um, let's have a look. Let's read from... Verse 10. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him. For we will not sit down until he comes here. And there's a verse a little bit further up, and it's it's verse 6 and 7. And it says this, So it was when they came that they looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay, so so this is the situation. Uh, King Saul is, is really old news, but he doesn't know it yet. What has happened with King Saul is that King Saul lives in the palace. He's the king of Israel, and... During the course of his time in the palace, God asked him to do certain things, and it appears that at certain times, Saul chose not to do the things that God would ask him to do. Uh, And this, of course, showed some problem in his heart. And of course, God is very, very long-suffering. He's very gracious with everyone. He's very patient with everyone. But the thing is that when you're a king and you're looking after a whole country and a whole nation, well, really... You can't afford 
to be thinking you can rule in your own right or with your own, you can't do that any time really, but a king especially can't afford to think like that. And of course, God gave him numerous opportunities, but at all the opportunities where grace was available, it seems that Saul made his own mind up. So now Samuel, who is the prophet of God, he, he's actually really upset about what has happened because he really believed that Saul was going to be an incredible king. He believed in Saul. He believed that he, he could be the man that God wanted him to be. He believed that about Saul. And when it didn't happen, and Saul understood, uh, Samuel understood that it was not going to happen, he became nearly depressed at the beginning of this chapter, he is very despairing of what has happened. And he's mourning inside because Saul has not managed to be the king that he could have been. So Saul's mourning and grieving. And God basically says to him, how long are you going to mourn, Saul? How long are you going to carry on like that? Because sadly, for Saul, in the kingdom, the kingdom's different to the world. The kingdom's different. Everything about the kingdom's different. And the king, who is on the earth representing this kingdom, must live a different way. But sadly, given, given all the grace and all the, all the words that I've given him, despite all those things, Saul has decided to live his own way. So Samuel will get up now, go and anoint the man who I am going to show you. So off he goes, he goes to uh, wherever it is that he goes, some place close by, he goes over there, and of course the great prophet Samuel comes to town. And, and they have a meeting, because everyone loves a prophet, everyone loves a bit of prophecy. And, and, and now Jesse gets all his sons, he gets his seven sons. Seven sons. Because what, what he was told was go and get all your sons. But he got seven of his sons and he lined them all up. And, and Samuel went along and Samuel looked. He was not in a good place really. He was not discerning quite rightly. He was looking at outward things. He was looking at gifts, at talent, ability, stature. He was looking at all the things that men look at. And God went, no, no, Samuel, you got it wrong. It's not Eliab. It's not Eliab. And he went, he went on all, all the row and he, he just, he went, well, it's none of them. Which is why he asked, is there, is there someone else? And for some reason, it seems that David was uninvited. Seems that David was forgotten. Somehow, they'd, I don't know if it was dad who was protecting his son and thought, no, that my son's too young. I, you know, he's, he's the smallest of them all. I want, him to be, I want him to be here with me. I don't know what dad was thinking. But anyway... His, not all his sons were there. David was not there. He was forgotten. And he said, he, he, he's up in the field. And this is what, this is what, I love this that Samuel says. Samuel says, well, go and get him because until he comes, we're not going to sit down. Because actually upstairs, everyone stood up waiting for this one that you forgot for the one that you did not invite and the one that you did not see. All heaven is stood up waiting for this boy who you've forgotten. And of course, David came along. And when he saw him, 
he said, um, <clears throat> verse 12, he says, anoint him. So he sent and brought him in, and now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. So now he's anointed. Um, now, of course, Saul will have got wind of what had just happened. Uh, and, of course, no one likes being replaced, do they? No one likes being replaced. So this was a, an unusual moment that was going on. But Saul has got a difficulty. Because, because of the disobedience in the heart of Saul, it has had a consequence in his own physical being. Because sometimes the things that we do, the choices that we make, they have a consequence. I'm not saying all the time. Please understand my heart. But sometimes the choices that we make, the things that we do, they actually have a consequence in our bodies. And certainly the biggest consequence that, that Saul faced was that he was not peaceful inside. He'd lost his peace. He was distressed inside. He knew deep down that there was something that was not right. Something that he was doing, something that he was saying, some choices he was making that actually just didn't seem to fit. And of course, when, when you feel that inside, you feel unpeaceful. You don't feel at rest, do you? You, you feel restless. You feel restless, slightly distressed, and he wasn't in a good way. Now, let me just ask you, when, when, that, when that happens... I know that this says, and we must understand the word, because I know it says that God sent a distressing spirit, but we've got, to, we've got to find out if this is true or false. We really must find out if it's true or false. Because as far as I understand it, and please help me if I'm wrong, but when Jesus came, Jesus, it says, was the express image of who the Father is. In other words, if you say, God, I want to know you, God says, hey, look, this is what I did. This is the good news. You want to know me? Well, I sent my only begotten son to stand in front of you. And when you see him and hear him, you are seeing me. You are hearing me. Everything that this man Jesus does is who I am. Everything he says is who I am. There is no shadow or doubt in him. He is the light, he is love, he is grace, he is goodness, he's everything that's wonderful and I sent him so that you might know who he is and who I am. You understand me? So there's no doubt about it, is there? Huh? No doubt at all about how God is and who God is. Now what did Jesus do when he came? He healed people, he delivered people, he set people free. Everywhere he's going, he's giving his life. Everywhere he's letting people free. He's getting them out of debt, he's getting them out of problems. He's bringing solutions to every difficulty. Everywhere that someone will receive Jesus, he is doing something good. Good. Very, very, very chuffing good. Isn't he? He's doing good things. That's God right there. So, given that the revelation in the Old Testament was, you could say it was like a jigsaw. It was like people were getting pieces of the jigsaw, jigsaw, 
trying to build a picture of who God really was. So they kept putting in these bits that kept saying who God was, but it was a progressive revelation. And even now, it's a progressive revelation, let me tell you. Something's happening because all the time that we see Jesus, we keep, we keep seeing more of him. Do you understand me? Even though we've got the book, we haven't really understood all the riches of the book yet. Jesus keeps getting bigger, keeps getting better, keeps getting increasing in every way until he's going to fill all things. You understand me? So, so these guys and girls who wrote this Old Testament book, sometimes they didn't quite understand what they were seeing. I'm not saying it's not inspired of God. I'm just saying they didn't always see quite rightly. As the New Testament says, we don't always see rightly. And neither did they. But they, when they wrote this, said that the distressing spirit had come from God. But I, I am going to differ with that. Because I know God. God is Jesus. You understand me? Jesus is the Son of God. He is the exact representation of who God is. Therefore, I know what God would do and what he would not do. And I know that Jesus didn't go around giving people evil spirits. In fact, when people came to him and said, he is Beelzebub, he said, no, no, you've misunderstood altogether. I came to save and seek that which was lost. I came to heal. I have not come to break the house down. I've come to build the house up. I have come to give you everything that is good. Full stop. Bang. Isn't it beautiful? Huh? So I know that when I read this, it's not quite the fullness of who Jesus is. Because now I'm looking through Jesus at this scripture. So the distressing spirit was brought on by Saul himself. And you see, in, it'd be funny, wouldn't it, this, really? You'd go, God's a bit of a double mind, because on the one hand, if it was from God, well, what in all the world was God doing sending David to him to heal him? Is God, is God double-minded? All right, I'm going to give him a sickness, and then I'm going to send someone to heal him. What? You see, it just doesn't make sense, does it? It's ridiculous. Because this is what happened. Now, you remember the story. So he's, he's in distress. Saul is in distress. God loves Saul. God is, Saul is about to lose his position because there's consequences if you don't do things in the way that you should, especially if you're a leader in the kingdom. So now so God's looking at Saul and he's saying to Saul, Saul, I love you. My love for you is never going to stop. But there is a consequence for the way in which you've walked. So sadly, you yourself have exited yourself out of the palace. You can no longer be in the palace that I gave you to live in. Because you're not living in the palace like a king. You are living like everybody else. But I destined for you to live a different way. And I gave you a house to live in. And I gave you everything that you need. But your disobedience, Saul, has caused you not only to be distressed and unpeaceful, but now you're going to lose the palace. And it was already done at the beginning of this chapter. But God didn't just leave Saul in his distress. God had a master plan. A master plan. You see, because God is incredibly gracious, even when he's doing something that is monumental, 
in heaven and earth. He is incredibly gracious. And he does it in the most incredible ways. Because you see, he doesn't like the fanfare. God's not into the fanfare. We know that, don't we? Do you understand me? God's not into status. He's not into fanfare. He's not into big things. He's not into any of those things. God does everything out of something very little that no one seems to recognize for a long, long time. That's how it is. I mean, isn't it wonderful? It's absolutely wonderful that there's going to be a TV documentary about Cap. How many years is it? Sorry? 22 years. It has taken 22 years for the world to pick up on something that God has been doing for 22 years. God has been changing lives all over for 22 years and only now do the media begin to see it. Huh? And of course, when the media begin to see it and when that brings a whole other load of issues to deal with. A whole other difficult issues to deal with. Because suddenly you're in, in the limelight. And we have to not only pray for the, for the documentary, but we have to pray for everybody that is working there. Because I'll tell you what, the enemy will not like it when this comes up. He doesn't like it already, but when this comes up, he's not going to like it. My Lord. So we are going to pray, amen? We are going to pray. Come on. You're all going to pray, man. Together we're going to pray for this. But, but you see, David, so David comes along, and now God's already said to him, I've anointed you, you're going to be the king. How's God going to do it? He's going to bring out the band. He's going to bring out the fanfare. What's he going to do? How's he going to do this thing? Well, you'd have just liked it. You'd have, you'd have loved it if it had just got a big platform for him and went, this is the man. God doesn't seem to do anything like that anymore. You understand me? If it's the kingdom, he does it in a different way. So what does God do? God goes, well, Saul's got a problem and I've got a solution. Saul needs an answer to his problem. He needs a solution. And guess what? You are a solution to someone's problem. You never know when you're going to be called into the palace. You just don't know what day that's going to be. Kaz, you don't know. You don't know, do you? When it's going to be, you don't know. But what matters is how you walk in terms of the kingdom. So God goes, okay, he's got a problem. Let's move him into the palace. So now he has to, and we talked about yesterday, he has to dress appropriately, he has to talk appropriately. It's a different environment. It's a different place. It's a different job. He's not with a sheep anymore. Now he's in the palace. And what's he going to do? What's he going to do? He's going to serve. But hang on a minute. I thought he was anointed. I thought someone prophesied over him. I thought the prophet of all Israel just came to him and said, this is it. Your number's up. This is it. We're ready. We're ready to go. We're ready to roll. Man, this is the big day. No. Serving. He had to serve. That's what he had to do. He had to serve. And then we said this yesterday. I mean, just think about this. David knew that there were problems with Saul. Obviously he knew. Otherwise he wouldn't have been replaced. But David knew that very thing. And yet not once in David's heart did David ever move against Saul. David looked at Saul. 
He watched him. He observed him because, you see, Saul had walked in the palace. David had never walked in a palace before. David had been with the sheep in the field. But now God's saying, the palace door's opening up, David, and you've been anointed and there's a word on you, but now you have to learn how to walk into this new environment. So what do you have to do, David? You have to be quiet. And you have to put your eyes on Saul and you have to learn everything that you can learn from him. You have to observe him. You have to listen to him. You have to talk when he asks you to talk. You have to learn. You have to learn everything that you can from Saul. And, and maybe David went, but, but Lord, Saul, he's not, he's not walking right. David, you will honour this man. You will respect this man. You will never touch him. You will never raise a hand to him. Do you remember when David had the moment to take him out? He had a moment to take Saul out. You remember, he'd gone into a cave to relieve himself. This is the story for those who don't know. He'd gone into a cave to relieve himself. And in came King Saul, who'd been looking for David to kill him. In came King Saul, and David went up to, to him and snipped the edge of his garment, the edge of the king's garment. And immediately, in his heart, he was smitten. Immediately. That tells you something about David's heart, doesn't it? What are you like? What are you like? People who have spoken about you, people who have talked against you, people who have said things about you, people who have got a future and yet they don't even realise that it came from you. And they've spoken about you and they've tormented you and they've said things and they've publicised it and they've said all sorts of things to all your friends. What about you? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Listen to me. If you want to be a David, you have to learn how to walk in the kingdom. We all have to learn that. And this is what God's crying out for right now. People who know how to walk in the kingdom. It's a beautiful thing. So David comes in and he begins to watch. He begins to learn. That's Wherever you are right now, that's what you've got to do. You've got to watch. You've got to learn. You've got to ask questions. You've got to find out what God wants you to find out in that place. Because that's what it's all about. It's about learning. We've got to learn. There are people around you. Don't say to me, oh, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. Yes, of course it's Jesus. Of course it's Jesus. We all know that. Don't be so spiritual that you've forgotten that Jesus lives in everybody around you. Do you understand me? Jesus doesn't only live in every, everyone around you. Jesus can use everything around you as well. Jesus can use little lowly donkeys if he wants. Okay? Oh, they're beautiful donkeys, don't they? Oh, I like donkeys. But, but anyway, Jesus can use everything and anyone to talk to you at any time. Okay? You see, Jesus is in us and he speaks through us and he talks through us to one another. So we have to begin to recognise that. There are people around you who you need right now. There's people around you who can tell you something that you do not know, that you need to know. And you've been going, yeah, yeah, but I want Jesus to show me. And Jesus is going, yeah, yeah, but I put them right there for you. See and hear and learn something. It's hard. I don't know why it's so hard for Christians though. Oh, no, it's just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. It's only us, me and Jesus. No, it's not only you and Jesus. It's me and you and Jesus. And it's me and you and Jesus and everybody else in this room. We're a big family. We're all together in this thing. Isn't it beautiful? It's wonderful. Listen, we have to stop being so spiritual that, that actually we, we speak what is not true. Do you understand me? 
Sometimes we can be so spiritual, we're speaking non-truths. Or we've gone too far over with the truth and we need to get some more balance in it. But there's loads of things we can learn from one another. Because Jesus is in us, amen? Someone amen it? Beautiful. Well done. Um, So, David goes in. Saul had no intention of giving up his seat of power. We can see that from all the chapters that come along. In fact, Saul's trying to kill David. But David's in there. He's playing his harp. And every time that he plays his harp and ministers, something happens. Saul is refreshed. Saul feels better. Isn't it a strange thing, that? That, that, that David, who's his arch enemy, is also the one that brings healing to him. I've thought about this many times. There's people who actually do not like me. Really, I mean really don't like me. I mean I've actually set up groups to talk about me. This is true. To actually pray against me. Can you believe that? There's people that don't like me so much, but I've realised that actually they probably need me. And there's probably something that I speak and something that I do that provokes them so much that they feel inflamed about me. They feel enraged about me. But that's okay. I'm going to carry on loving them and carry on praying for them and keep lifting them up. And I'm not going to speak about them and keep blessing them. Amen? Because that's what we've got to do. We've all got to learn it. That's what we've got to do. None of this gossip, none of this malicious talk. But actually, we're going to lift one another up. Pray for one another, no matter what. Isn't that beautiful? Bless, said the Lord. Bless one another. Bless your enemies. Bless. That's a nice place to be in, isn't it? You see, David lived this life. That's what I mean. It's a fantastic story, isn't it? So, covertly, God dropped David into the palace. And it's impossible to be covert, to be undercover, to be in the shadows, if you desire and long for the limelight. It's impossible. It just isn't going to happen. No matter how much a person wants it to happen, it will not happen until that person has understood that God is the God of the humble, not the proud, not the arrogant, not the people who want status and fame and want to build a name for themselves. It's just not going to happen. And even if it does happen, it's not kingdom. It just isn't kingdom. So you see, we've got to deal with ourselves. You understand me, everyone. And it's over the years, we've had so much struggle. Even people on the platform. You can't, you can't stand up here and want to be well known. You just can't do it because that's not what you're here for. Do you understand me? No one's here to be well known and famous and to have stairs. No, they're here to minister to the Lord And to give life to everybody else, that's it, full stop. No, nothing else. And if you want anything else, there's going to be a problem because it's not the kingdom. And that's what we're all learning, the kingdom of God. We all know about salvation, it's beautiful, isn't it? The gospel of salvation, we've all got that. Now we need to know about the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's different. Includes the gospel of salvation, of course. So, 
David was not dropped into the palace to be the king. He was dropped into the palace to be a servant. I mean, can you imagine the frustration about that? Uh, the big man's just prayed all over you. He's just thrown anointing oil all over you. He said these incredible things. Anoint him. He's going to be the king. Come on. Can you imagine the frustration of then having to be in the palace just playing your app? Huh? But we have to learn to serve because we love him. We don't serve because we're slaves we serve because we're sons who love to serve, serve him and give our lives to him serving and assisting that is what he was doing and then he's looking at everything going on in the palace and I'm sure there were things going on that weren't so good but listen you can learn as much about the things that are not good as you can from the things that are good listen to me again you may be in a place of work a situation and you were going what in all the world am I doing in this place? It goes on and it goes on and it goes on. It's never, it's incessant. What am I doing here? You are learning. God is wanting to show you something that you do not yet know. You understand that? That's what he wants to do. If he hadn't moved you, then you're there because he wants you to learn something that you, you don't yet know. And you've got to learn from the things that, you do see a well, as well as the things that are not so good. You've got to learn from both. And you can learn from both, can't you? You can look at someone and go, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to react like that. I don't want to respond like that. Well, you don't have to tell them. You've got to pray for them. But you've got to go, I don't want to be like that. Therefore, I'm going to write this down. I don't, I don't want to be like this. When I have my own company, when I have my own charity, when I have my own business, when I have my own ministry, I don't want to be like this. Because I've been in it, I've seen it, I've experienced in it, I know it's not the kingdom. But this is the kingdom, and I've written down on the other side of the page what is the kingdom and how I want it to be when I have my ministry. Do you understand me? This is, this is the thing you can learn from everything. So don't let those things just frustrate you. Learn from them. That's what David was doing. Learning from what's wrong as well as what's, what's right. His introduction was low-key. It's low-key. And I, I, I've got to say, I am so pleased. I am so pleased. You see, I, I, for a long time, I didn't understand why Jesus told. You know, when people got free and they were ministered to and they were delivered and set free, he'd go, don't, don't you be telling everybody. Don't go and tell everybody. Why was he saying that? Because he had a, miss, a, miss, a mission. He had something to do. He knew that if his name got known everywhere, if he became famous, you know, sometimes he just walked away from things. John 4, it says that John the Baptist was baptizing. And John had more, no, Jesus was baptizing as well, or they were, they were down there by the river. And there was a bit of a competition going on. As soon as Jesus smelt competition, he walked. He just went, it's not for me. I'm not competing. I don't need to compete. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know what I've got to do. I don't need status. I don't need fame. I don't need all those things. I know what I am going to do. And off he went. It's completely contrary to most of the way that the church think. It's completely contrary, all this. But it's kingdom. It's kingdom. God brings you out when it's the right time. That's what he does. When it's your right time, he brings you out in the right way. Not, not in your way, but in the right way. 
It's not easy, though, is it? I admit it's not easy. So, let's just think about this. You remember this down at the battlefield, 1 Samuel 17, nearly finished. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 13. He says, The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of these three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn next to him, Abinabdabdab, and the third, Shammah. So off they went. They went down to the battlefield. There they are in all the, uh, in all the combat outfit. They are the professionals. These guys are professionals. They've done it. They know how to do it. And please understand, there's no issue with being a professional. You understand me? You've got to learn as much as you can. You've got to get as much education as you can. You've got to research as much as you can. You've got to do everything that you can to get to where you're going. You've got to do that. But in the end, it's not that that's going to bring down the giant. It's not. It's none of those things. It may help a little bit, but it's not really that. It's the Spirit of God inside you and the way in which you walk in the kingdom because it's the kingdom that brings down the giants. You understand me? It's the kingdom of God that brings down Goliaths everywhere. You see... Because in the end, after we've done all the praying, all the, all the battling, all the I'm struggling and battling and all the rest of it, there is a place to live in the Spirit of God where the devil can't touch you. He cannot touch you because he's completely different. You understand me? He can't touch you. He's not allowed to. He's a liar. You understand me? Most of the time when we're getting touched, it's because we're believing some lie. But actually, he has no authority, but he's a thief. He never tells the truth about anything. You understand me? He's, he's not going to tell you the truth about anything. He'll lie to you until he gets you to believe what he's saying. But when you move in the spirit of God, which is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, when you begin to move in the fruit of the spirit, guess what? The, the devil, no devil, no principality, no power, nothing can touch you because you're moving in the opposite spirit to the spirit of the world and the spirit of the devil. You understand me? That's why the kingdom's so important. That's why when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, of course it's beautiful that we're touched by the Holy Spirit. It, it's beautiful that when people go, ooh, it's the Holy Spirit. Oh, you know, and some people don't like it, some people do, but it's a beautiful thing when you, when you sense the Holy Spirit. And you, but it's not about that. It's about what you believe. It's about who you believe in. And it's about the way in which you walk. It's about the way in which you walk, the way in which you talk, the way in which you respond and react. That's what the devil hates most. There was something, there was something about David. You see, off they go to battle, they're all there 40 days. Can you imagine 40 days that, that, that Goliath's just tormenting them? 40 days. And they're all lined up there, they've all got the stuff on, but... They just can't face him. They just ain't got it inside. You understand me? For all the stuff they'd got outside, inside they were insecure. Inside they didn't feel sufficient. Inside they had no esteem. You see, they had all the outside stuff on, but inside there was a lack that they had. And that is why we continually go on about being built up inside, because inside, when you've got it inside, it comes out of you. You understand me? When it's inside you, it comes out of you. That's how Jesus lived, inside out. So, of course, David gets to hear about this. For, for 40 days, he's, he's tormenting him. David gets to hear about it. 
And now something strange happens because God, again, God, they'd forgotten about David. David's still out in the field looking after the sheep. Do you hear that? He's out in the field looking after a few sheep. Not many sheep, just a few sheep. And his brothers let him know. His brothers let him know, didn't they? What are you doing here, you little scruff? Why are you here? You should be looking after those few sheep that your dad's given you. Go back to your sheep. And what they didn't know, that in the field and with his sheep, he'd learned a lot of stuff. All the time, he'd been learning things. All, every year that he was out, every moment that he was out, he was with God, learning things as he looked at the sheep, as he looked after these few little scruffy sheep who couldn't talk to him. But there, he was learning everything for his future. Incredible. And then he went into the palace and he begins to pull everything from there that he can because he knows I'm anointed. There's a word of prophecy on me. I've got something coming down the road. He's getting ready for it. He's not messing about. You understand me? He's not messing about. My Lord, we haven't got time to mess about. There are ministries, there are gifts that are here in this house. There are people who are burning up inside. And will burn up if they don't find out why they're really here. Because this is not church like normal. This is different. It's a training school of the Holy Ghost. Isn't it beautiful? I know we all love each other and we're a family and it's beautiful. And we kiss, kiss and beautiful. Hug, hug and all that. It's beautiful. It's great. But in the end, what are we learning? Why are we here? What's this all about? Are we just having a nice meeting? No, this is not a nice meeting. I realise it's okay. It was nice until I got up and started talking, but there we go. I am here to provoke you as well, obviously. But anyway, there we go. So now David's back there with the sheep and his dad calls him. David, the boys on the front line, the captains, the commanders, the boys on the front line facing the enemy, they need a little bit of sustenance. Would you take them a little bit of cheese and bread? Go on, son. You can leave the sheep just for a moment. Go and take him a bit of cheese and bread. So off, off he goes down to the battlefield. Just a little errand boy. You, get, you, you understand what I'm saying? Just another little errand that he's doing. But you know what just happened? The moment that he got onto that battlefield, something changed. The moment that he got there, his friends had no idea what God had been doing with him all those years. His family had laughed at him and mocked him and had no idea what was happening all those years. All those captains, all those people who were professional and academic and amazing, who were stood there in the lines, coming against this man, not coming against him, but all of them. They had no idea that when David walked on that battlefield with his cheese and his bread, everything just changed. Everything. This is how God does everything. I'll tell you now, this is how he does everything. He's not going to give you a lot of trumpets. He's not going to give you a big name. He's not going to do any of those things. Not yet. Because we're in his house to learn. And he wants to teach every single one of us what it means to be like David. He walked onto that battlefield and he looked at that giant and he went... What is wrong with you all? In all the world, this man, 
He scared you, he's intimidated you, he's tormented you. I have fought things while I've been looking after my few little sheep. I have fought things that are bigger than this, that are more evil than this. I've fought them and I won them and I rescued all those sheep from such as this. Do you understand me? Everything that they'd mocked, everything that they'd said about him, everything that they'd laughed about him, he'd used it all. And now he's got it. And what did he do? We all know the story. And when he put that stone in there, I'll tell you what happened. And I've said it for many years, but it's a beautiful picture. When he put that stone in there that was just the right, it was the, everything about it, the right dynamiter, the right, it was smooth, it was beautiful. You see, it was a little, it was only a little rock. Only a little rock. You're only a little rock. In the big picture, we're just little rocks. He's the big rock. But when you become a rock that is like that, guess what God does? At the right time, he puts you in his sling. And he goes, and you were propelled into your future. Propelled into your future. And that's what happened for David. He was propelled into his future. And of course, we, we know even now, after this, Saul still hated him. Still tried to kill him. But eventually, eventually, God put him in the right place at the right time. And I, 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 of course, I knew that we were going to say something about Cap, but it's a beautiful thing because it's just the right time. It's the right moment. It might have been a long time coming. And I tell you, I, 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 I was, I, as, as uh, Joe was praying, I was just broken because I remember I remember the first days I, I remember some of the letters that we got I remember some of the things that people said about us and about John especially terrible things you didn't read them, I read them I had to deal with them huh who is he who, who is John Kirby who is John Kirby, I'll tell you who John Kirby is he's a man who's learned He's learned, he's watched, he's observed, he's watched and observed and heard and seen. And no matter what you think about him, he's a champion. Do you understand me? And, he, and he's raising up others. Others everywhere. Isn't it beautiful? Because he learned. And we've all got to learn. All of us. So, if you were uninvited, if you were forgotten... If you never got the invite, don't worry. Don't worry. Because God is going to use you powerfully. If you will allow him, he will use you powerfully. So let's just, let's just pray together. Father, I just want to thank you so much, Lord, for all my brothers and sisters right now in this house, Lord. And Father, there's, there's no one here, Lord, who, who cannot be used by you, Lord. And we want to be used, Lord. We want to be used, Father, by you. We want to find ourselves in you, Lord, and be used by you in whatever it is that you have had in your heart and put into our heart before the foundation of the world, Lord. And, Father, there are people sat in this room, Lord, who have not yet plugged into all the things that are in that little uh, USB stick, Father, that little seed that you put into them, Father. 
before they were even birthed, Lord. They've not plugged into it all yet. But Lord, I want to thank you that you ignite those screens, Father. You ignite them, Father, inside our hearts, inside our minds, Lord. Father, that you ignite us, Lord, and that we understand what time it is that we live, Lord. What time it is in which we live, Father. Because whilst everyone is saying that it's so negative and so dark, Father, we have got an answer. We have got a solution, Father. You are the light, and you live in us, Jesus. You are in us, Father. We are not left alone. We, we have you in us, Jesus. I and the Father are one. Just like you said, Jesus, I and the Father are one. And Father, I want to thank you that everyone in this room knows you, Jesus. I'm, I'm proclaiming it. Father, whether they do or not, I'm saying it. In Jesus' name, you know them, Father. You know them, Lord. And it was no coincidence that they came this morning, Father. It's no coincidence that we are here in this house this morning, Father. You wanted every one of us here, Father. And I just ask in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would just ignite us, Father, with your plan and purpose. And Father, as we think about John and as we think about Cap, Lord, we see, Father, 22 remarkable years, Lord. Much crying, much pain, many difficulties, many challenges. But Father, I want to thank you that John's an overcomer. He's an overcomer. He's learned to overcome, Father. And he's teaching other people how to overcome, Father. And Lord, we want to bless Cap, Father. As we've done earlier, Father, we just want to bless Cap more and more, Father. We want to lift him up, Father. We want to thank you. Just, even the name, Father, debt saviors, Father. Lord, those who are saving people out of debt. How wonderful is that? And Lord, we give you all the glory because we know that you're underneath it all. You're in it all, Father. You are it all, Father. And we want to thank you. But Father, we want to thank you for all the people that are in that wonderful charity, Father, whether it's in England, whether it's in Australia, wherever it is, Father. And we bless them in the name of Jesus. And Father, we say good success to them, Father. We want it to prosper, Father. We will not speak any words out of our mouths that would say anything negative, Father. We want to see more and more people saved, Lord, more and people out of debt, Father, more and more people as part of the church, Lord. Joint together, Father, we want to see, Lord, your glory more and more. In everyone's life, Father, we want to see it. And we want to thank you, Father. What a beautiful, beautiful time it is for us. It's so exciting, Lord, this time. It's such an exciting time, Lord. And we will not look at the darkness, Lord. We will not be consumed with the darkness, Father. Because we will make a difference. We are a difference, Lord. Every single one of us. And I thank you so much, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 Bless you all. Thank you.